majority of uh, nowadays problems have been created by, by design. I think you cannot really separate physical and digital products anymore today. Emotional part makes our job just so, so difficult because everyone's emotion function differently. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Shine, a podcast by Star. My name is Tom Hunt and in today's show we bring you three separate product design experts. In fact, we have a total of 48 years of product design experience. And the story of this episode starts when one of our star experts, Tobias Skura, is invited to judge on the 2021 CES Product Design Awards. This got us, the star podcast team, thinking about what truly makes a meaningful product. And so we decided to bring two friends of the show on to discuss, along with Tobias, what they believe truly makes a meaningful product. So as mentioned, we have star expert Tobias Skura, who's currently the product design lead at Star. We have Thomas Duster, who's the co-founder slash designer at Form Future, and Antonio Grillo, who is the adjunct professor for inclusive design at the Politecnico di Milano. And so bringing together these three awesome product design minds uh, made an incredibly engaging episode for a product designer of any level. We cover the meaningful product pentagon through the five things that really define what a meaningful product is. We talk about the importance of emotion when designing products and we also make come to this conclusion that actually a lot of the bad problems or the big problems in the world today stem from bad design. So we're going to jump right into that episode here and we'll be starting with Tobias who's going to give us a brief intro to himself. We'll move through the other guests and then we'll jump into the discussion. This story starts when one of our resident star experts, Tobias Skura, was invited to judge on the upcoming CES 2001 Product Awards. As Tobias was doing this, we came together, the podcast team, and we started to ask the question, what truly makes a meaningful product? So over the next 45 minutes or so, we're joined by a combined 48 years, approximately 48 years of product design experience on this panel. So we have Tobias, of course, and then two other esteemed product designers that will be joining us. So first, we're going to hear from Tobias. Then we're going to be hearing from Thomas Duefter. And finally, we'll be hearing from Antonio Grillo with their introductions. Tobias? Yeah, hello. My name is uh, Tobias Kura. I'm uh, working for Star as a lead product designer in our Munich office. And yeah, with a background in industrial design, I was working on various fields in the last 10 years, from consumer electronics to healthcare. And uh, over time, boundaries uh, were blurring between the disciplines. And now I'm leading physical and digital design projects and helping clients with shaping their vision. My name is uh, Thomas Duster. I'm a trained craftsman. So I worked as a cabinet maker like the first eight, nine years of my career before I started to uh, study design in Germany and the Netherlands. And uh, I happened to work with Philips. And that's where I found my love for innovation and design things for big corporation, like the first LED consumer light bulb, or like the first cashless store, Amazon Go for Amazon here in Seattle. 
Before I founded with my partner, Herman Chan, the design consultancy and innovation studio Form Future in Seattle, USA. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Antonio Grillo. I'm a design director at Tangity, an entity data design studio. And I'm also professor of inclusive design at uh, Politecnico di Milano Design School. In the past, I had the chance to work across several industries, healthcare, uh, banking, uh, as well as public sector in designing uh, and uh, designing uh, services and products across digital and physical uh, world. Amazing. Thanks for the introduction. So the first question I'm going to put to the floor is, let's try and define what we actually mean by a meaningful product. And so let's start with Tobias. How would you personally define what a meaningful product is? Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, for me personally, it's not only about features and aesthetics, but also about the emotional connection to a product. Why do I love to use it? Does it solve a problem? Is it fun to use? Or do I just love to hold it in my hands? In addition to that, I more and more appreciate a quality and longevity over, let's say, the latest technology gadgets. So yeah, in the end, I would say it's a mix of that. And somehow it has to touch me somehow. So it's what I'm hearing there, Tobias, is that the meaningfulness of a product is more than just it's how good it is to use or how uh, beautiful it is to look at. Exactly. Yeah. Everything must be right. Like the UX, the design, uh, maybe the service behind it. And it has to surprise me, maybe. So now I quickly like to go to Antonio, because I think Antonio has an opinion about these other aspects of, of things that make it an effective product, specifically on potentially the timescales at which you look at how a product is could be meaningful. So thank you very much, Tom, for being so optimistic. <laughs> Anyway, yes, of course, because uh, I think that uh, when uh, we are asked to design uh, any product or service, we have uh, always in our mind a kind of a triangle in which there is a desirability, viability, and feasibility. So we are trying to match uh, and to solve uh, actual user problems, uh, making our solution profitable for the market, and from the other side, uh, make it feasible, technologically speaking. I think that uh, a meaningful product uh, goes beyond this triangle, extending this triangle in a kind of pentagon in which there is also social responsibility and sustainability, reaching uh, out a kind of a diamond. So if you are capable to design a product which is viable, desirable, feasible, and at the same time sustainable, and uh, so matching all social responsibility, having a good impact on society, I think that uh, this is uh, uh, my definition of minimal of product also. This is not new because also in the past, for instance, Twitter Rams was defining the fact that the design only works when it really seeks to achieve something for humanity. And I think that the minifoam products absolutely goes in that direction. Viable, desirable, feasible, socially responsible and sustainable. I think that's a, that's a really good answer to this first question. But Thomas, I'd like to head over to you. Do you have anything to add into this part of the discussion? Well, that's a tough one because I think Antonio did a really good job and I think this is what meaningful design should be. I think uh, the only thing is that maybe every now and then blending out like the commercial aspect in early stages when you do some design uh, could help to get to a meaningful product because very often 
designers are in a role where they need to do something desirable that people maybe actually don't need. So working with corporations on meaningful for products without thinking too early on like how much profit or turnover it generates. So that would be the only thing to maybe add. But I think that's covered by, you know, making something desirable and something that really solves a underlying human need. Sure. And then I want to actually come back to you, Tobias. You mentioned something at the end of your response just now about being surprised by a product. Could you either elaborate on that or even give an example where a product has been able to surprise you? Because I'm trying to get to the bottom of, yes, a product can be meaningful, but what would make a product uh, outstanding, like beyond the five factors that Antonio has shared? Yeah, that's a tough question. And I don't want to like agree what uh, Antonio said. These are very uh, important aspects. But still, I want to get back to this emotional connection to the product, which is also important. It can check all boxes. If it doesn't apply to you, somehow people won't don't want to buy it, don't want to use it. And I think that's also an aspect that you cannot just design that uh, sometimes happens uh, out of accident or it's hard to really design for emotion. That's maybe also a challenge that's underlying. Really good answer, Tobias. For those people in the audience, uh, maybe not as familiar with what you would mean by an emotional connection. Can anybody here share an example about a potential emotional connection with the product? I do believe that some of the like more like old designs like made by Eames or they kind of create a novelty in how they use materials, but then uh, create a way of, you know, furniture for sitting, for example, that they're touching because they are beautiful in how they are executed. They are detailed to the very end on how all the parts come together and meet and how the materials are orchestrated. So they kind of paint a complete picture that goes beyond its use and its visible impact in your interior. And they have a certain thoughtfulness behind how they are designed that I believe that's how they kind of create the emotional connection. Exactly. So I guess you can really feel if someone puts some thoughts and love into a product. And when you mention furniture, there's also something that you don't throw away after a year. So maybe this emotional connection also increases over time. So that's where longevity comes uh, back again. So if you use a product more than a year and you don't plan to throw it away and replace it again, I think that's also something that yeah creates this kind of emotional bond. I would love to add to that because I do believe that this emotional part makes our job just so, so difficult because everyone's emotion function differently. So what we are trying to do in our world right now is to have this one fits all and like create an emotional connection to as many people as we possibly can. And that's where it often goes wrong because it is a very individual thing. And I think, you know, sometimes trying to just do a good job, love what you do yourself so that there is like spirit and soul in what you do and in your solution that you provide. And then let people decide if they 
feel that connection or not, rather than trying to match it because you analyzed it to death. So, <laughs> so that's maybe a, a way that, that I would love to see that also. Yes, also from my side, I think that the time plays a crucial role in uh, generating an emotional connection. Of course, this is not only the, the only way to generate this emotional connection, but uh, having the possibility to design long-lasting uh, product, for instance, uh, the Italian Vespa is a design that is uh, the same since uh, ever. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, in a way, it's, it's uh, capable to accompany you over time uh, in all your uh, stages of your life. And, uh, of course, uh, with a product like that, you have the possibility to develop a kind of emotion. So I think that uh, also time plays a crucial role in this. So I'm hearing that if, as a product designer, you want to convey this emotional relationship with your users, you have to put the emotion in yourself. And then I love your response, Thomas, that if you do that, that should shine through. But then at the same time, if the product spends a lot of time with the user, then that can also increase the likelihood that an emotional connection uh, is also created. Yeah, that, I think that is a, a good summary. <laughs> that works. <laughs> awesome. So that's a, a good overview of a meaningful products and also how to create an emotional connection. What I'd like to move on to next is, will a meaningful product today also be meaningful tomorrow? Yes, of course, but depends on the product, because according to what we just say, of course, some products uh, have the opportunity to develop with us in a strong relationship, so in emotional relationships. Other products uh, have not this uh, opportunity. For instance, there are uh, some iconic product like the, the Achille Castiglioni Arco Lamp that I mentioned before, which has been designed in 1962, an iconic product that is still considered, despite the, the material used in the past things, that it's still considered an iconic product and uh, which is capable to develop a great connection with the people. Sure. Do you think that any of your five uh, criteria of a meaningful product will be more or less important in the future? Well, uh, personally, I'm stressing a lot in this conversation on the concept of time <laughs> because uh, it, it's something that uh, it's really, really relevant uh, mainly now because uh, at the moment design is a uh, design responsibility is evolving over time. Uh, and uh, if in the beginning, before IDEO, let's say, the responsibility of design was very much to fulfill the market expectation then to fulfill the user needs. And now the design responsibility is very much to fulfill a society, humanity expectation. So I think that this is the reason why, again, I'm sorry, but I think that having the capability to survive and to have a positive impact on humanity is essential, central for me. Yeah, very good point. Just want to agree, like, that I think that sustainability and social impact will be big drivers in the next years. And uh, since technology is like more and more the same, everyone can do the same stuff. They can um, use the same suppliers. But I think then sustainability will become more relevant. I also do want to believe that we just have a certain responsibility as designers and uh, that shouldn't be just making beautiful products but also think about the end-to-end -end experience and that is includes like how healthy is it produced like how much water is wasted uh you know while the production process is going on what glues or chemicals are used that might or may not be necessary how is the product uh 
used? How is it disassembled after used? How is it trashed? How does it like can like go into a closed circle of being recycled and its component reused? I think the perfect example is that like we're sometimes a bit stupid. Like we're going a good path. Like, you know, mobile phones in the past had a replaceable battery. Well, they don't anymore, so that we buy a new one. And that's a great example. And these non disassembly products they cause problems they sometimes explode during the disassembly process because they're just not made for it and and i think our responsibility for meaning product meaningful products in the future is to focus on these things and remember that like this is not only a profit game this is about like making great products that function solve a problem and that we yeah through the five uh, Five diamond points that I really like a lot uh, by Antonio. And uh, I think uh, then we're golden, but it's a bit of work ahead of us. So thank you very much, Thomas. I just would uh, love to add uh, something uh, so with regards to this uh, topic, because I think that uh, we might say that uh, for a, my- a meaningful product, which is meaningful today also for tomorrow, a systemic view is uh, absolutely needed without having uh, the possibility to having a systemic view, so understanding the experience of today, what will change tomorrow, is not possible, you know, to create long-lasting, meaningful products. For instance, uh, in the designing a um, plastic water bottle, which is uh, creating an excellent experience uh, for today because uh, it's uh, something handy, something that you can grab. I have not uh, a water bottle. I have a, a different bottle here, so I can't... Uh, <laughs> provide you a direct example but uh, it's handy something that you can uh, easily bring with you and uh, once uh, uh, you have finished uh, to drink is uh, easily disposable is uh, easy to compress uh, and to put in your trash bin so so that's a great experience if you are uh, utilizing all the common metrics of a good experience uh, you know you smash it uh, everything but uh, your good experience today might become a bad experience for someone else tomorrow. This is a perfect example with the plastic bottle for this. This is something that we have to keep in mind and we can to prevent by utilizing a systemic approach, as I said to you before. That example for me makes things very, very clear about why it's so important not to just look at the experience within the first timescale, e.g. when you're using the product. And, and so it's so obvious that we should be looking at the life cycle. Why have people started to look at products in this different way? Because in the past, people were uh, very much concentrated in, uh, as I told you before, in uh, satisfying, fulfilling ma- market expectation. Today, that we are more conscious uh, about the, the way in which we are uh, impacting on uh, our world, design has a great responsibility in all the things that are going wrong in this world. I mean, majority of uh, nowadays problems have been created by bad design. Our choices, uh, we are experiencing uh, bad choices. So design is the main responsible of the majority of uh, bad things that are going around us. But it might be also the remedy, of course. I also think that just the problems that we caused with that kind of consumption behavior that was supported somewhat by design is that we're like hitting like visible marks and limits to ocean plastic to landfill that we can't handle anymore. I mean, you know, the the US, uh, I think in the past, they ship waste, you know, to other places to have it processed there. They 
they are not willing to take it anymore. So like, we just need to produce less waste. And it's a problem that just became, because we are reaching like a threshold, that's why we started to get like more attention to it. And now we need to act. And I think that's a little bit like, um, it developed over time, it piled up, and now it becomes a problem that is harder and harder to solve. So the reason why it's now important to consider the full life cycle of a product is because we spent decades not considering the full life cycle of a product. And now we have these challenges that are starting to actually become visible and impacting the world. I would agree to that. Yeah. And of course, not everyone. I mean, you know, there's always good examples and bad examples, but we have a lot of like throwaway items that, you know, use one stretch and uh, pile up to the landfill where we could uh, reuse, we could use glass, we could use other containers, we could use other means, we don't need to like, use like throw away little handkerchiefs to like disinfect something that that's all like piling up. And, uh, and that's where we need to start to like rethink on how we consume and how we trash products in the future. So it seems like we're we're kind of sliding down into the physical realm here. And we didn't classify at the start of this discussion whether we're talking about physical or digital products. So does everything we have just said about the five points of Antonio's diamond apply to digital products as well? And I'm going to go to Tobias for this. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think you cannot really separate physical and digital products anymore today because uh, with every physical product that comes a, a ton of digital experiences, services around it. And I think also digital products, services, they have also a social responsibility, for example. We see what happens on social media these days. And I think, yeah, as a designer, no matter what you're designing, you should act responsible and have also your, the impact on society in mind. And I think that's that's becoming more relevant. And no matter what discipline of design you're talking about. I think that a very interesting and powerful parallel to draw there, Tobias, is you've comparing the imp the longer term impacts that digital products, for example, social media could have compared to uh, physical products such as the water bottle. I think that's a very interesting point. How as digital design becomes more prevalent and Mark Andreessen says software is eating the world, how relevant will physical design become in the future? I think, uh, you know, every interface needs a carrier. So you can't interface with something that doesn't have, like it needs to have something that is touched as of now, maybe not in the future, but as where we are at today, it has a physical carrier. And I think the strength of something that is well-designed is respecting the physical and the digital part. And if they are a perfect, like orchestrated, like unit, then the product is successful. And uh, if you focus on one too much and forget the other, then it may still work, but not as good as it possibly can. So you want to make sure that like, you know, when you can take the smartphone, for example, so how long did it take to make that thing waterproof and more robust, you know, <laughs> which is like substantial because like you throw it in your pocket, you throw it in your bags and, and it gets scratched, but yet it was this very delicate item. And we most like the last few years started to like react to that from a physical point. So that's a little example of like how I think all of these things and how they are used need to play together in order to be like a real a real human problem 
solving item that is successful. I totally agree. And I think physical products will become even more relevant again when we're talking about circular economy, about recycled materials. I think you can make a, a huge difference with how you design the physical part of a product. For example, we're talking about materials. It's not about only about recycled materials, but also we will see smart materials in the future that um, enhance the way how you interact with the product. So I think the physical part is is relevant and will stay relevant. I totally agree with uh, Thomas and Tobias. Absolutely. I think that the physical part is essential and will be essential. Even though we are we interact with products in which the, the physical interaction is minimized. Think about, uh, for instance, talking to a uh, voice UI product. For instance, uh, we have several uh, voice UI products around us in our car, uh, at home, at, at our waist, uh, in our phone. So I think that uh, the rule of aesthetic, physical aesthetic, is also, in this case, also to provide trust and cultural acceptance, uh, as well as emotional capability to build an emotional relationship. For instance, also in, uh, for instance, voice UI, the appearance of the product, even though you are not touching too much, but uh, is a, a way to create a form of trust and cultural acceptance. I had the chance to work on uh, several uh, voice UI projects when, uh, when I was in London years ago. And in the beginning, people were kind of shocked about saying, why I should talk with a piece of plastic? I'm feeling kind of stupid and things like that. I think that uh, the physical design is a way to, uh, let's say, reduce this kind of uh, cultural mismatch and uh, gaining, uh, improving the trust, let's say. Taking everything into account that we've covered so far today, if each of you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring product designer, potentially at the start of their career, what would that be? And Thomas, we'll go to you first. Well, you know, that's a tough one. I would always encourage people to just be fearless and have courage and uh, have the courage to like define values for themselves that are important to them that they want to like designed towards to and hold on to it and uh, and learn from other people to like further refine or establish those values uh, over time and uh, don't do it because someone is just asking for it stay critical and and stay true to yourself and i think that's what you see often when young designers apply for jobs they try to give you the answer that they think you want to hear and that's a shame because all these people are amazingly talented uh, and they have a lot to give and i would encourage them to like just yeah stay courageous and 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 go for it and don't try to please just be not much to add but as designers are having more and more influence, so designers are on executive levels. We are taking we are taken seriously by the companies. Behind every innovation, there is a designer. I think the only um, advice I could give is that in these exciting times, we should use our responsibility wisely to make a positive impact and have this in mind. And uh, as Thomas said, with some being courageous, it's uh, I think a good advice. Yes, quite difficult to say something interesting after <laughs> Thomas and Tobias completely agree. I have uh, two advice. The first one is uh, to be a great team player. 
because uh, nowadays design a product is much more complex than in the past. Again, Arcolampo, sorry, I'm Italian. There were two people, the Castiglioni brother, closed in their smoky office with few local artisans, and they were capable to design a very iconic product. Nowadays, similar challenge, smart light system, for instance, you are asked to collaborate with a large team of designers, service designer, business designer, tech expert, because today, most of the time, your products have also a digital soul, which means that you are not just designing product, but you are all potentially designing also a platform for new services and potentially creating new revenue streams. And uh, being a great team player is absolutely essential. And uh, I think that, uh, as uh, Tobias said, to design responsibly by gaining a systemic view, so go on the top of the mountain to see all the actors and their connection, then gaining a, a prospective view to understand uh, the possible uh, consequence over time of your design is uh, absolutely essential. Be a team player, be responsible, and have courage. Fantastic advice. Now, I'm going to go slightly broader with the final question. We ask every single guest that comes onto the show over the next five, 10 years, is there a product or technology that you are particularly uh, excited about? Tobias? Let's mention two things that might become more relevant in the future. One thing is machine learning. So your product uh, might know you better than you know yourself. It will be proactive and it will be at least exciting how this develops, if it go, in which direction it develops. And on the other hand, talking about physical products, I think materials will be super interesting. What will be developed on the one hand, sustainable materials. And on the other hand, um, as mentioned before, smart materials that offer completely new possibilities. So that's going to be, I guess, quite exciting. And Thomas? I was thinking the same in that same realm. And it makes me excited, but it also scares me like to hell to talk about uh, autonomous products, multisensorial like robotics that utilize algorithms and machine learning to actually like optimize themselves and and become better over time and it's like it sounds so surreal and and it's uh it is scary but it's also like opening up the doors and so so this is a technology path that will be like very interesting to see and how it finds its place in a human society so how to not scare people with that kind of stuff so so that's going to be like very interesting to see and the other thing still is that the need for closed loop systems and uh, how does technology cope with the need of being more sustainable and less replacing itself uh, in a very short time frame. And Antonio? I think that uh, considering the time we are experiencing now, there is an uh, excellent opportunity to progress with uh, artificial intelligence but in a different sense to provide a more a different view, perhaps uh, uh, more oriented uh, towards the calm technology. So perhaps uh, providing us only the stimulus that are relevant for us. Because uh, to, nowadays we are overwhelmed, compressed uh, the, by the, the technology. So having a, a system that depicts to you, the, the, for instance, notification system, at this moment you are absolutely you're receiving a lot of notification from your phone, from your smartwatch, from everything. Technology that understands when and how to provide 
the right notification might support us to shape a, a better relationship with the technology. Otherwise, we are going to, to have a, a not great relationship with the, uh, this kind of technology. Totally agree. Okay, team, I'm going to pull out a few things that I particularly loved from the discussion. So, Thomas, your points about putting emotion into the product, and presumably this came from your your days building the physical cabinets, and I thought that was a beautiful point. Tobias, your mention of the parallels between the dangers of some physical products and some digital products I thought was very interesting. And then Antonio's point about the a lot of the problems we have in the world today are actually stem back from bad design. And so actually this conversation has been very important. And then finally, our diamond of, of how we can define a meaningful product, which I'll quickly repeat, which is viable, desirable, feasible, socially responsible, and sustainable with those two final points, particularly the last one being more important in the future. I want to thank each of you for coming on and sharing your wisdom uh, with our audience today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, what did you think of that episode? I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank Tobias, Antonio, and Thomas for coming on and sharing their extensive product design wisdom. I also want to thank you for listening. If you have any feedback regarding the structure, the content, or the guests of the show, then please go to Apple Podcasts, search for Shine, find the podcast, and leave that feedback in the form of a rating or a review. Thank you for listening.